Hi, and welcome back to the Beauty of Conflict podcast. We know you're busy, and we want to make it easy for you to understand how conflict may likely be showing up in a way that's impacting your team negatively. We've recorded the first three chapters of our book for you to listen to for free. Get your free audio sample at thriveinc.com forward slash free sample. That's T-H-R-I-B-E-I-N-C dot com forward slash F-R-E-E-S-A-M-P-L-E. Hi, I'm Chris Marie Campbell. And I'm Susan Clark. And today we have our guest of Jill Avey, who helps women leaders get promoted to the director and VP levels. She does this by supporting her clients to develop their strengths, increase their influence, and improve team performance while navigating gender bias. That's a tall order there, Jill. (laughs) She believes that everyone has talents that they haven't yet fully realized. She is inspired to help her clients find deep fulfillment in their careers, both personally and financially. Her approach is grounded in research, applied behavioral science, and her own personal experience as an executive. Welcome, Jill. We're so excited to have you here. Thank you so much. Now, I would imagine something led you, inspired you to start this body of work, and we'd love to hear your origin story related to that, if you're willing. Sure. When I decided I wanted to be an executive coach, I did some research and found who was going to step forward that wanted to be clients, and it was very clear to me right away that it, I should be working with women. As the marketer that I used to be, I went out and did some research and found out what they need and, and developed my program based on that. That's great. Like when you were doing your research, it sounds like you found that women were willing to raise their hand. I need help. Is that? And so talk about that and the pain points you found out that these women were facing in your research. Yeah. So we just I just talked to I talked to about 30 women and found out what the common themes were. And I know from my market research background that that's about 80% of the knowledge that you are going to get, you would get from that number of people. So I I found there was these seven common themes. And so I built the program on that. And and it's been really successful, I believe, because I did do that research of what do women need in today's corporate world versus what what we needed when I was coming up, it's different. And so I thought when I was going to be, I thought as an executive coach that I would be teaching people and guiding people on how to do what I did, but it's turned out to actually be quite a different journey. So it's, that was an interesting twist for me. Fascinating. Are you willing to share what the seven themes are? I think, because even our listeners, if they have some of those themes, they might be actually like, oh, that's me. (laughs) Yeah. It's, Getting to know ourselves, that really, that deep self-knowledge is really important because when we don't really understand ourselves, it's hard to understand how we're operating in different situations. It's the executive presence piece. It's this piece that I have termed the busyness trap (laughs) that women tend to take on more than men do and um, how to get out of that and unravel that busyness. And communication is just a journey for everybody and always should be. And really, that's what you two do. And then failure was another thing that women really take to differently. And then they were also asking for, they wanted to be able to toughen their skin, to be able to take the knocks like they see men doing with ease. Then also getting that support system, the networking piece tends to be something that was really hard for women to embrace. And usually they turn away from that part and just ignore it and, and think that if they're just, if they could just put their head down and work harder, that, that they will get noticed. And so 
<laughs> the whole, yeah, the whole program's meant to turn that upside down. I love it. So self-knowledge, executive presence, the busyness trap. And I would imagine that spans both at work and home, trying to manage yeah. it all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And communication and dealing with conflict for sure. Dealing with failure, toughen their skin and developing and using a support system versus just doing it on your own. I love it. One thing that struck me when you were bringing them up is you talked about the busyness trap and you mentioned the difference between men and women there. Specifically, I noticed you said that. So I'd be curious because men have their own version of busy work or driving, but I was curious what you found is different with women. Women tend to have very big plates and very full plates. Not only do we have a lot more at home that we do, but we tend to take on more at work too. So often the women leaders that I was talking to and my own experience as well is that the women will often have larger teams and fewer resources to work with. And so they get stuck in a bind because they're trying to do more with less always. And they're always feeling a little behind on things. And then also women, it's known that women do, it's like housework at work. They're the ones that are called in to do the, to represent women on the interviewing panel or the DEI thing or lead the ERG group or, or organize the company party or all of that stuff. And so that really adds to the workload as well. And also one of the things that I really notice is they also just raise their hand for things that they see need to be fixed. And women are always willing to go above and beyond and do something that they see needs to be done, which often will lead to them doing things outside of the scope of their work. And finally, the last thing is that we often overwork because we know that as women, we need to do more, but we don't know where more stops. And so we can just keep going and going, doing more and more, trying to be more and more perfect at things so that we aren't getting criticized, which leads to that fear of failure piece. Mm-hmm. And and then that just it equals a lot of extra work that we don't even need to be doing. I love it. And we can talk about, I'd like to explore some more of these, and then we'll talk about some of the tools that you maybe help women use. But how about the toughen their skin? That was a really interesting module to put together because I I did a lot of research putting this whole program together and I didn't find anything to support me in this. So I had to go out and do my own research and figure out what are women doing? Yeah. And so I went to women who were in jobs that were very difficult or high stakes. And so I talked to women in law enforcement and military and I talked to a surgeon and woman who was a medic in a helicopter for the CHP and jobs like that. And then I also talked to a kindergarten teacher and a pastor, the high, other totally different kind of high stakes jolly where you have to be doing everything right. And that was a, it was really interesting where I also did research to how do the Navy SEALs do, they go into some really demanding situations and how do they deal with that? I interviewed the team leader of a SWAT team and how do you do that job? And I found some really interesting results that it wasn't really about being impervious and having this hard shell that nothing could get to you. It was about that developing that ability to deal with it mm. when the things were hard. And so yeah. that was, it was a different take from what I expected when I went in. Were you primarily, you were primarily interviewing women at that point in those positions, or did you also interview men and how they handled that? The SWAT team was men, and the the Navy SEALs are, of course, men. So that's, but the rest of them were women who were actually doing these same jobs. The reason why I was asking is because I was thinking about having, and this, we have gotten better at this, but having worked with a lot of firefighters and different people like that who 
it took them a long time to realize that they actually weren't doing themselves any favor by being tough, that it wasn't yeah. serving them to have that type of, we, I, we can get through anything. Go. It was actually, it wasn't until some, some tougher versions of that sort of said, this, we would be better off if we actually talked about what's actually happening to us at yeah. the and opened, the, opened up that shell. Now, not all firefighters, I think, have bought into that program. But it's good to hear that sounds like the Navy SEALs have a bit, which yeah. is, makes some sense. And because it does seem very true, toughening your skin does not seem like the best <laughs> path. It seems <laughs> right. like more brittleness and yeah, not resiliency in yeah. those situations. So, yeah. yeah, it really ended up being more about confidence and resiliency than it was about and purpose, being grounded in your purpose and why, yeah. especially like talking to the SWAT team, leader, when you're sending men in and they may not come out alive, why are you doing that? And yeah, that would be a whole different thing. And then when something does, it sounds like you're saying, yeah, when something does happen, it's not about so much toughening your skin, but dealing with it. Like somehow yeah. a way to effectively, it, it won't just happen if you ignore it. Like, right. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, yeah. Work. it's like the same way I would imagine in business, if you're a woman in a male dominated world and you just ignore that, it's not going to serve you to. We've actually time. we've coached women who have come out the other end of a twenty-five year executive male-dominated aggressive environment. And what she, this one per, woman in particular, said, I had no idea how numb I had become and tolerated so many things that now I wouldn't. But it's like a frog in boiling water. If you mm -hmm. leave, put it in cold water and just heat it up, they'll just stay. So a lot of times, and I don't know, I'd be curious what your thoughts are, but a lot of women tolerate just not great behavior and then start to even emulate that in themselves. Have, do you deal with any of that? I feel like that was my journey was just, I felt like I was successful getting up to the executive level by just acting like a man. And I thought that's what you had to do. But now I understand. And the women that I coach, there's a whole way to embrace your feminine strengths, be, have that verbiage to be able to talk about it and know what you're doing that, and why it's, why it's the right way for you. And you don't have to do that. So I can relate to feeling a little numb and tossed about from that. And I, when I was leading, I didn't necessarily understand all the differences between men and women. I felt it, but I didn't know how to articulate those differences. And we spend a lot of time on that in my program of really understanding what the gender biases are and what the double binds are that we that we deal with and understanding gender socialization. So we understand how men are raised and how women are raised and how that is different. Once we understand how it's different, then we can start to deal with it. We'd love to hear what your kind of viewpoints are of how men and women are different. So the big thing is that men have the pecking order. And so their life is constantly a game of who's one up and one down from each other. So men will organize themselves. So it all starts when you're kids. So men play, little boys play in much larger play groups and they typically divide and compete against each other and for a finite goal. And so they compete against their best friends. And so they know they learn very young to compete and then make up afterwards. And so there's no hard feelings. So they can just brush it off. So in that, in the way that they're doing all that, they sort themselves into a pecking order and they do this just naturally. Most guys don't even know they're doing it as they're, when they're adults, but you can see it happening if you think about different groups. And so women are totally different where we 
start out where we're we're playing in small groups, very small groups, and we tend to we play until there's no finite thing like we're playing house or we're playing a scenario usually or we're building a fort or something like that, and there's no finite end. We play basically until there's a conflict <laughs> and, then, and then somebody gets in an argument and then we go home and it doesn't always happen. But when there's an argument between young girls, they will often not talk to each other for quite some time until that repairs. And so we have this what's called the circle of inclusion. And so everybody's on an equal playing field and it's our job to raise those others up. And it's also our job to knock the others down and so that we're all equal. And you'll see that happening, especially you see that a lot in high school where, you know, there starts to be a lot of knocking down activity. Mean girls. Yeah, the mean girls. And but we also lift each other up too. And that's something that can get us in trouble in the corporate world where women may try to lift up men, say, with self-deprecating humor Mm. and guys don't use self-deprecating humor. And they just see that as you put yourself in the one down position. Thank you. Uh, Now I'm above you in the pecking order. I'm curious, like with all the things, I do appreciate what you're saying about gender bias, but I also think it's tricky because we have much more fluid gender relationships now. And what you even described on the playground is no longer the case for for boys and girls. And how are you seeing that play into what you're seeing in some of the work you're doing with women leaders? Because I would think I'm gen, yeah, I think about this a lot about what what is going to be happening with the groups that I that I work with. But I'm working with women who are generally in their 40s and 50s that did grow up in that situation. But you're right, the younger generation who will be our executives are are they're growing up in a totally different situation that's gonna allow for it's changing everything in some sense. You know, so I'm pretty excited about just the flexibility that we have for being able to define gender in totally different ways and what that means for our workplaces. Mm -hmm. But today's world, I work with the individual, not the organization. So Mm -hmm. I'm working with the individual in how do you work in the culture that you are in? And that tends to still be one that's defined in the old school ways. So you're dealing with those little girls on the playground who (laughs) bumped into conflict and didn't talk to each other. So how do you help your women deal with those difficult conversations and conflict now that they're 40 and 50? Because that's certainly part of our world. Yeah. I'd love to hear what how you support women in that. Yeah, I'm certified in conversational intelligence. So we do a lot about really creating psychological safety and trust with people so that we can open up and talk about things and have that healthy conflict. And so I'm such a believer in having healthy conflict and creating situations where purposely instigating conflict, because I think it's hard I know as a leader, it was hard for me to get people to disagree with me because everybody's trying to be a team player and they, they want to show that they're supporting everybody. And so I find sometimes having conflict is difficult to create and we're not having enough. Con- I think most of our teams are not having enough conflict. And I like how, I believe it's Pixar that has like a, a every movie has to go through a certain step. You guys probably know this better than I do, Uh, but it's a certain committee that the job of that committee is to just poke holes in everything that could go wrong or be wrong about this film. And so that you're allowing people to do the right thing by having a different opinion. And so that's, that's where I try to figure out how can we design the meeting so that it, even asking the question, let's say we finish this project a year and a half down the road and it failed, what happened? I'm just doing those kind of thought 
thought games of how we, how can we look at this a different way so that people feel comfortable to be able to say what's really on their mind. Since you do work with the individual, how do you help them develop the courage to find, because often they're will work one-on-one, they'll say something to a leader, their boss or a peer, but they won't actually. Because we spend a lot of time talking to teams saying, don't do one-on-one. Because honestly, people get into such bad habits. They say one-on-one here. They say something totally different over here. It's a meeting and they they won't say anything. and, and, And you do. We coach too. So we know the dilemma of coaching an executive one-on-one, but it's in, this is all nothing. If you don't find a way to do this as a group. In in a bigger forum. In a bigger forum. So I don't know. How do you keep that from becoming the big issue? The one-on-ones really are. Right. Yeah. It's an important one because when it's your own meeting and your own team, you can create these thought experiments and set them up to to have that healthy conflict. But when it's a team that you're a participant on, maybe with senior leaders, Mm -hmm. then it gets a lot harder to, to create that open dialogue that may or may not be happening. So I I feel like that's really much more about the questions that you're asking and how are you phrasing things and maybe not putting people on the spot by phrasing something a little differently of just, I, I feel like there's, when you disagree with somebody, there's ways that you can be super direct and blunt and confrontational. And then there's ways that you can open up a conversation with your questions and we call that in conversational intelligence, we call that asking questions for which you have no answers. And so it's really about getting curious and exploring what are they thinking and how are they coming to this and what are they, what's their mindset and what's their point of view there that, so that it might open up that conversation. Which I imagine for somebody to get promoted, they have to be influencing at that upper level like commanding the executive presence and speaking up. And and so that must all mix in there so that this woman is showing up. I know what I'm talking about and I can work with people and I can disagree with power in a way that I'm still heard. Tell me where I'm wrong or say more about that if you would. Yeah, you have to have an opinion and you have to be willing to speak up in meetings. And that is one thing that a lot of my clients struggle with is really speaking out about what they think. And But that's all about the developing that executive presence and the confidence. And every module that we go through, all those seven steps are built to build your confidence and to, you know, that because I feel that confidence is multifaceted when it, for women and that we really come to confidence differently and it's not just a fake it till you make it thing for us. And we, that doesn't really usually ever work. As you start to influence, you also have to bring in that networking piece too. So it's the executive presence, it's the communication, but it's also that networking. Because if you're not creating those relationships with senior leaders and socializing the work that you do and making it visible what you're doing and how you're contributing, then you're not going to be the one that they think of when they're in that closed room deciding who's getting promoted. Yeah, it's almost like you have to learn how to be a marketer of what you're doing rather than just being a good girl and doing really hard, good work and hoping that the results are going to speak for themselves. It's like, no, you have to actually advertise (laughs) in that sense, really. Broadcast what you're doing and the impact. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of women really resist that too. They just don't want to do the visibility stuff. They have a really bad taste in their mouth about politicking and they think that Mm. it's just a slimy, sleazy thing that people do. And so we really have to reframe that and say, I say, 
don't they need to know what you're doing? <laughs> Think of it as a service rather than something you need to just go out to do to toot your horn. And so that reframing can really help. That's great. And yeah. I would be curious, is there anything you can share with our listeners on developing confidence? I know it's interwoven through all your modules, but is there a process that you use to support women cultivating that in themselves, that belief? Definitely the first step is the understanding yourself, because the more you understand what you're made of and what your strengths are, women usually focus on their weaknesses instead of their strengths. So we're all about focusing on strengths and we really don't care about our weaknesses. We're never going to try to fix them. And we might put some scaffolding around our weaknesses to make sure that it's not our Achilles heel either. But we're definitely, when you know what you're bringing, when you walk into a room and you know why you're there and what your expertise is, that's the groundwork for your confidence. I love that. Focusing on your strengths. Because when, like, when we get calls to do work, because we often focus on the team level, that's our entry position. And it's usually a gentleman who's saying, my team, they're not working well together. And a woman will call and say, I need help because I'm I'm a problem. I'm not doing what I need to I, be doing. Yeah, because- I need to be a better leader. <laughs> yeah, and that's it's, it. it's an interesting mm. men don't usually say that. Men are like, Yeah, I'm great. It's the team. <laughs> yeah. I totally believe I, that. <laughs> even if it's not really meant, some of the men are trying. They're yes. trying to get their team better, but they do often think they're the problem. How can I help them versus Mm -hmm. women who tend to think I'm the problem? And so I can imagine that is a difference in helping really supporting women and seeing, wait a minute, maybe this isn't about your weaknesses. This is about your your strengths and what you bring and why you're there. And it, it goes back to when you were talking to the SWAT team, like sending people in to die, possibly. There's gotta be a greater purpose. And I know I have more, much more confidence in myself when I can get to, hey, there's a purpose of what I'm doing. These are the strengths. So I do that myself mm-hmm. and it helps realign versus, are they going to like me? Am I going to do a good enough job? Falling down that pit of despair is not helpful, but so familiar. Absolutely. We yeah. also work with executive presence in a different way too, where a lot of people resist executive presence too, because they feel like it's putting on something fake and like they're putting an act on. And so how we come about to that is really understanding how you want to authentically show up. And I use an executive presence model that has 15 facets to it. So nobody's going to be perfect at all 15 facets, but what are you going to choose that are the really the things that you're going to be known for in, you can choose five of those facets and do really great at those. And those are your strengths. And that feels right to you. Everybody can choose some of them, but not all of them to, and feel authentic about it. And so that can really help too, where it's when you feel like you and you know who you are, boy, that's really going to get you a lot further in your confidence. Yeah. You get to be you and you don't have to work against yourself and you have given yourself permission and freedom to show up fully. That's very powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Jill, I love that you've done all this research to support what you're going to focus on and how you're going to support these women. Is there any final words you want to leave our listeners about women wanting to get promoted? Just I want to encourage more women to think bigger because we could do so much more than we're doing today. All of us, me included, we're all so capable and we're great leaders. And I really, I love to encourage women to think bigger and think about how much more they could contribute to the world and how much their organizations and their, the people would benefit if they did step up. 
I agree. I think having more women leaders, there's, there was one speaker that we listened to very early on. And she said, if you put 11 women in a room, they never would have come up with football. That just not would be, or you think about aggression, like we've got to get bigger and all that. And so I think having more women in leadership, there's much more about connection and how can we bring people along? And I just think our society would be better. Just having more of that balance that women, I think, generally naturally bring. So I would agree. And there's a lot of proof that the teams perform better and companies perform better when you have a mix. Yeah. And I think just representation of what our populations look like is really better for everybody. Yes. And and we often go into executive rooms and maybe there's one woman, maybe. And then we often get the bathroom to ourselves. (laughs) Right. Well, you've been lovely. Can you let our listeners know how they can find you and learn more about your work? You bet. My website is called sistersmart.com. And right at the top of the homepage is my free private podcast that goes more into the seven-step passport to promotion process that we use. Great. Excellent. There you have it. I really appreciate your time and you're doing good work for all businesses by supporting women actually reaching higher. I think. So thank you. Yes. Very much. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Susan here. As a coach, a lot of my time is spent helping clients speak up in a direct and honest way in their relationships at home and at work. Chris Marie and I decided to create a speak up kit to help you do that for yourself. It's the best of our best work that we've gathered to help you. To learn more, go to thriveinc.com forward slash speak up. That's www.thriveinc.com forward slash S-P-E-A-K-U-P.